People don't know what it is to be champions. Oklahoma invented it. Sometimes there was calls missed, sometimes there wasn't. Type deal, kind of communication sometimes just a little bit off. But did you feel like in your mind that you guys kind of got a groove going there, I guess, second quarter and beyond? Uh, you know, I thought, you know, we had our moments for sure. Uh, definitely wish we would play better, but uh, that's just how it went today. Yeah. The a thousand people are going to want to know what Creed Humphreys is going to do. Have you even thought that far at this point? No, I haven't, no, I haven't thought about it yet. So. You've had a really good year. You guys have a month coming back next year. Can you take, kind of think of one moment that kind of stands out to you about what these guys mean to you that you've been working with all year? Uh, you know... Probably just, you know, that feeling after we won the Big 12 championship, you know, just all the, everything we went through, you know, you know, just really paying off, you know, we got to see that together. You know, I love these guys like brothers for the rest of my life, so, you know, yeah, it's probably that moment. Going through, I guess, your first spring. I'm looking forward to, uh, just, you know, getting better with the team. Uh, we're trying to take this team to, to new levels. We made it far this year, and we plan to make it further next year, years after, so... We're not where we want to be yet, but uh, I hope we, we can work hard enough and prepare, and I know we will. Yeah, I, I remember I talked to you at media day. You were talking about how, how much you know, Jalen was a big influence for you, just looking at his maturity and his leadership. When, he's, when you guys are going through a game like you did today and it's the score is what it is, what, what is his mindset and what is what is his attitude and what do you try to take from that when you see him in those settings? Uh, he's never up or down. Um, he could throw for 700 yards, 10 touchdowns, and he's the same as if he's up or down like today. My bad. Um, you know, just keeping a level head, uh, keep, keeping your head on the team and, and what's going to help the team. And uh, that's, that's kind of what I saw from him and I've seen through him throughout the whole season. Hi, Spencer. Um, I'm sorry to Barb and ask, did you know you were going to go in? Um, I didn't know, but uh, Coach Riley told uh, me to warm up and uh, just went from there. Yeah. And you, given the, the way that Coach Riley was recruited defensively and offensively, I mean, you have to feel pretty good, even despite tonight, about what you guys have moving forward. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, of course, this, this loss is tough on all of us, and uh, that's what we're thinking about right now. We had a great team this season. Uh, like I said, a lot of the young guys in my class, classes uh, ahead of me, we've learned a lot from these seniors, and uh, we just hope to uh, continue that legacy and get better and better throughout the years. What is the one thing or two things that you think you've taken most from what you learned from Jalen throughout the season? Um, just his uh, demeanor, how he handles himself with the team, with how he leads the team, um, how he how he handles himself off the field, the media, a bunch of bunch of different stuff. Uh, I, I've learned a lot of things about work work ethic. That's, his work ethic is great, so that that's for sure one. There's a bunch of other things, but I could say those two stand out. Uh, you learn from every loss, no matter if you're playing or not playing. I mean, I only got a couple snaps, but 
learned a lot just watching the game and uh, being on the team on the sideline, just the feeling how, how we got to respond. And uh, Coach Riley always gives us good talks like when we're down. So I uh, learned a lot from the coaches as well. You, you know, a lot's been made of you, Trajan, Theo, Austin, all those guys. Yes, sir. Uh, Jaden, I mean, are you are you kind of excited for the? I mean, again, I know it's hard, but for the next chapter. Extremely excited. Yeah. Extremely excited. Yeah. Can you put it into context what, what makes you so extremely excited about what, what the future holds? Those are my guys, and other than them, we got a great team. A lot, a lot of other great guys coming in that are still here. Um, I know we're going to work hard in, in this offseason coming up, and we're going to have a good spring ball, good fall camp, and then we'll, we'll see where it goes for next season. Spencer, you're, you're a guy, I'm sure you're aware, that a lot of people are really excited about. After a game like this, what would be your message to other fans who are probably pretty down right now? We're going to shake back. We're going to shake back. All right, welcome to another and final OU Insider post-game podcast. I'm here with my guys, Joey Helmer, Colin Kennedy. Uh, Oklahoma just got flat out manhandled in the college football semifinals, 63-28. to It was uh, not pretty. There was a uh, fleeting moment there for a little bit where it was 7-7, and everybody kind of thought Oklahoma might hang in there for just a little bit. And then Things went a little awry, and Buki decided he was going to lunge at somebody and make it to where there's three starters out on defense, and there was a pass interference that wasn't called where Oklahoma had a third and ten. Would have put them on the plus side of the 50, driving to tie the ball game up 14-all, uh, and things just stumbled downhill from there, and they couldn't stop it. And I'm here to tell y'all, Oklahoma wasn't beating LSU tonight. They just weren't. Having said all that, Colin, let's hear your take. (laughs) My take. Well, I think out of the gate, just being down on the field from my perspective, Lincoln Riley takes the ball after the coin flip and – as I had said to Joe all week, I thought Lincoln Riley had to receive the ball and send a message early and often basically punch LSU in the mouth and basically assert the fact that Oklahoma was going to be some sort of a force in this matchup. The problem was he tried to get a little too cute right out of the bat and ends up second and 16 on the very first play. And when you're playing behind the chains that early in the ball game, it shouldn't be shocking you get the result that you inevitably deserved. I just, I was, I don't want to say I was stunned because to be quite honest with you, it just made sense from the way that these two teams looked whenever they lined up across the line of scrimmage from each other. But Oklahoma was physically dominated tonight. I mean, they were beat down. And at some points it felt hopeless, which is not encouraging to Oklahoma's fans by any means, but it has to be acknowledged. And it's also something that has to be addressed moving forward and recruiting and coaching. At some point, Oklahoma's going to have to find ways to compete with Alabama's, with LSU's, and right now they're just incapable of that. And today's game showcased exactly that. No, you were right. Uh, I find it – the recruiting aspect I find very interesting because Oklahoma has recruited very well. 
according to the rankings. Now, obviously, that doesn't matter. We say that, and we do the rankings. So that said, I, is Oklahoma recruiting the wrong guys? We know they have the wrong guys for what Alex Grinch wants to do defensively. We understand that. For them to be a top 25 defense this year was a remarkable coaching job by Alex Grinch. But what does Oklahoma have to do on the recruiting trail? Do they have any of the pieces we were talking about off the air, Joey, that 35 of the 44 on the two deep are freshmen and sophomore for Oklahoma? Are these pieces coming up good enough pieces to put Oklahoma over the, over the top? Is the 20 class ad added on to that? Is that going to be good enough to put them over the top? Can Spencer Rattler put them over the top? Because he's very confident. Well, you look, and obviously, you know, you got the, the two Juco linemen. The, these are really good players. And the difference, as you look back over these last few years, I, I where it really stood out to me was in 15 against Clemson and tonight, also last year. But Oklahoma has to get better defensively, but they specifically have to get better in the trenches. That These big-time games like this are won in the trenches. And, and if you go back and look at the film, yes, Joe Burrow was absolutely amazing today. I mean, the guy is throwing darts and picking Oklahoma apart. But Oklahoma was going with a three-man rush, was never able to get pressure on him. And on the other side of things, LSU was incredibly disruptive. Jason was... You know, in Jalen Hurts' face all game, he had no room to breathe. And that's why, you know, Oklahoma struggled to really get their offense going. And also on the other side, LSU was able to really move the ball and score at will because they just don't, you know, don't have the dudes right now that LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State, the other three teams in this college football playoff have. Yeah, you named the dudes. You you were talking about, obviously, Perry and Winfrey coming in and Joshua Ellison, the two top JUCO defensive linemen. Oklahoma has another big-time SEC guy that you would think is a type of SEC defensive lineman coming in and Noah, Noah Renze. But they also have guys returning like a Ronnie Perkins, and we know we think he's out for six weeks. We'll know, obviously, at some point in time if the NCAA has given the appeal. Well, there was rumors out that the appeal was passed it could be that the appeal, and I'm, this is just me guessing here, that the appeal was maybe dumbed down to maybe one or two games next year. Maybe they get to play against Tennessee next year as their first game back, whatnot. I don't know. I don't know the surroundings behind that. But when rumors are as rampant as the appeals passed and it got as high as it did to us and there were people that actually believed that to be the case, possibly maybe that's the case. Maybe they – are going to allow Ronnie Perkins to play next year early. But they have the Marcus Striplings, who every SEC person, player, team wanted. They have Corey Roberson, who is redshirting, who Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Clemson, all these teams wanted Corey Roberson. They have Marcus Hicks. Everybody wanted Marcus Hicks. They got dudes waiting. The problem is they weren't out on the field tonight. They weren't ready. And when you get – the trenches is one place that you can't just throw a freshman out there and say, you know what, go get a guy. They had to with Marcus Stripling because of lack of depth at Ronnie Perkins' position. And you saw that tonight when he was out, 
LeBron Stokes is great, but he's more of an inside guy in Alex Grinch's system. Jalen Redmond's great, but he's more of an inside guy in Alex Grinch's system. Those guys are dudes, but they're dudes at a certain position, not Ronnie Perkins' position. And Ronnie Perkins being out cost Oklahoma a whole hell of a lot tonight. Uh, they aren't winning the game with him, but they're sure as hell not getting beat by 35 points. That's for sure. So the point being is, is that the dudes are there. Joey's right. They've got, they've got to be out there on the field, and they need more of them. Luckily, they have them. They're just young right now. And I've got a piece coming on OUinsider.com talking about that, talking about why the future's bright at Oklahoma, um, why 35 of the 44 are freshmen. And if you're an Oklahoma fan, you need to look back. Yeah, you got your crap kicked in. And I, I totally edited my word there. But you got your stuff kicked in tonight. But the way that you got your stuff kicked in tonight, when those guys are juniors and seniors, they're going to be kicking other people's stuff in. And that's just how the world works. you got these more experienced teams. You want to know what? For the most part, everybody wanted to talk about Oklahoma's experience. But they didn't have experience out there in the playoffs. That was gone last year. Those guys are in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, the guys that have played in a bunch of those college football playoff games have basically left to this point. When you think about a guy like C.D. Lamb, he's probably one of the few on the roster that actually went to those three and lost all three. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts is a guy that had experience but from a different school. There's something to be said about playing in a college football playoff semifinal for a completely different program system. I mean, to a degree, he's not experienced if you really think about it. And so it's just difficult to see Oklahoma when you know there's a lot riding on this, not only in terms of the now but in the future, put up a performance like this and leave more questions than answers. And even then, like I mentioned to you both leading into this game, Oklahoma wasn't expected to win. I didn't even think they needed to win. I just think Oklahoma had to put up a relatively solid effort and prove to the country that, hey, we're on the cusp of contending with some of these major, continuous top five recruiting class programs. That was not the case today. And now you're kind of left here wondering, well, what's wrong? I mean, if they're getting these guys, what's the problem? It's exactly what you address. They have yet to develop. This program has not fully taken the shape or form of what it wants to become, but it's on the way, and now it, you have to see if more recruits down the road will continue to take faith in what Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch are selling. That is the key, taking faith in what they are selling, and so far so good for Oklahoma. Luckily, National Signing Day was on December 19th and not – February 8th, like the past days, because you might have had some decommits after watching this beat down. But having said that, Oklahoma had the number one class uh, or number two or three class after they got the crap beat out of them against USC. Um, they had guys coming in like uh, uh, Rep Bomar and all those guys coming in. I think, well, Rep Bomar was a redshirt that year, but they had other classes come in after that that were top tier. Um, Another interesting question, and we were talking about Spencer Rattler. And I'm going to ask you guys this. Riley didn't have to put him in. He did not have to put him. He could have turned to Mordecai and said, go warm up. 
what the hell is the point of that? Like, why did he do that? He knew he still had one more game to get Rattler and be, and be able to keep his red shirt. That was his fourth appearance. Because he had three, right? That was his fourth. But what was the purpose? Was the purpose to show Rattler, to show Mordecai, I've got trust in this freshman more than I have this red shirt? We all thought that Mordecai was going to be the back of Spencer Rattler next year. But the number two guy all year has been Tanner Mordecai. Riley has been, oh, no, we're going to have a battle next year. Spring's going to be a battle. Um, what you did today, sir, does not show a battle. How long? I mean, we know Tanner Mordecai is probably not going to transfer because he's got to wait till the portal. But what was your thoughts when that happened, Joey? Well, pretty much exactly what you just said, that – this would almost certainly give him a leg up if there's a competition between the two next year. The Spencer Rattler is going to be the guy. Look, it's funny, Brandon, because during the game, obviously we're doing so much work, and uh, I was so close to turning it and saying, you know, this thing is so out of hand. Maybe you get Spencer Rattler in for this reason. He gets a little bit of experience on this stage. All, while you know, while the game's not close and everything's decided, he gets to be in front of that crowd on the college football playoff stage. So you look, you turn around next year, and if Oklahoma is in the playoff again, which certainly they'll be a favorite to win the Big 12, they'll have a good chance to go back to the playoff, that he gets out there, if he is the quarterback next year, he's already played on this stage, although it was a meaning, meaningless time in the game. Oh, yeah. I, look, you guys have both touched on it, but kind of to further this point, Spencer Rattler goes out there. I think a lot of that also had to do with the fact that his cohorts next season were playing meaningful minutes as that game went along. Austin Stogner, Theo Weiss, Jaden Hazelwood, I thought had a nice couple of plays. This group of young freshmen, we talk about those pieces are coming. Well, they're coming as soon as next year. And that happened, of course, with Lincoln Riley essentially putting the final piece of the puzzle in and throwing his youngster, Spencer Rattler, out there. You had to like what you saw, by the way, when Spencer came in. I mean, he did look pretty sharp. And, of course, things are going to progress over the course of the summer that may help Mordecai or not, but... As of right now, you have to think, not only because of Rattler's God-given ability, but because of the chemistry he already has built with the weapons that Riley had employed throughout this game against LSU, that he's by far and away the favorite to win the Oklahoma starting quarterback gig next year. And I think this was kind of that tilt of the cap in the direction. Uh, I think it was more of a tilt and less, less of a tilt of a cap and more of a handing the cap over to him and just saying, take it. <laughs> I want you to have this cap. It's a, a new era. Uh, probably, a, I don't know what their favorite team is. This team's probably the Diamondbacks. This is a Diamondbacks. Hat. Go ahead and take it and uh, wear it there, Lincoln. Or Spencer, sorry, Lincoln. Lincoln probably telling him to wear it, obviously. But I guess to kind of further what your point, y'all's point is, is I was talking to somebody that would know uh, a couple weeks ago, and the same person that was telling me about how Oklahoma was pissed off and – 
how they weren't going to be real, you know, talkative with the media, which happened. Same person that told me that Fall Camp 2.0 was happening and the players came out and said that happened. So if you were on OUinsider.com, you knew about all that. Um, but the deal is they think that – right, and I, this is verbatim what I was told. Spencer Rattler and those guys coming up next year, they think could be better than what was at Bama. And you add, and they're talking about Austin Stogner added in there as just like a freakazoid tight end. And you get to see that already. The guy – I talked to Austin today. I said, what – you you had your ups and downs. You didn't play a lot to start the year. And then all of a sudden, here you go, Baylor. And then every game after, he's making a catch or two, and you're going, all right, this cat's going to be pretty good. Well, again tonight, third and what was it, third and six or something like that, gains like 12 yards, and it wasn't an easy catch. It was over the middle. He was getting rocked as he did it. The the stage isn't too big for that kid. And when you're all those guys, the stage was never too big for them. And I think that's one thing, if you're an OU fan, and yes, it sucks to get the crap beat out of you, we are going to acknowledge that throughout this whole damn podcast for you guys. But you still have to look forward to this next year and go, okay, you know what? The pieces are there. Jalen Hurts, if y'all want to talk about something, and you heard it on the audio from Spencer earlier, Jalen Hurts was the best thing to ever happen to Spencer Rattler. Rattler was Baker Mayfield 2.0, and he still kind of is if you listen to how he speaks. He's very confident, naively confident. He doesn't care about anything. Like, literally, he's going to tell you what's on his mind. And he means it, too, when he says it. Like, there's no bull crap with that kid. But he learned leadership skills that if you watch that QB1, I don't think he possessed when he got here. What, what else do you all think... Or who else this year do you think learned the most that you think next year is going to be? And I'm gonna I'll, I'll piggyback off what y'all have to say here. Give me three guys next year you think are going to be players that people aren't thinking about now that they're gonna be household names from the University of Oklahoma next year. Yeah, I'll lead off. Three names is a lot. This is tough. Yeah, it's three names, but I, I want to start off by acknowledging some cats that got in in a tough situation this year and really made the most of it. David Uwebu, Nick Benito. I mean, those guys took over a pivotal role in Alex Grinch's defense and really settled in over the course of the season. Obviously, they didn't put up stat sheet stuffing numbers, but I thought they did a very solid job throughout the year. Outside of that, I, I, I will want to take this as we're talking about players that we want to recognize moving into next year. I think that we made a lot of the loss of Ronnie Perkins, and very rightfully so. I mentioned that several times throughout the week, as basically everyone else did on the OU beat. But Ramondre Stevenson as well. Tonight you learned how important DeLaren Turner Yell is to this defense. If you don't know, DeLaren's nickname is Trouble in the house. And 
now that he wasn't out there, the OU defense happened to be in trouble. I got to recognize my guy, man. He's He is a baller safety. I, I think that Oklahoma has really found a gem in DeLaren Turner, Yellow, and Pat Fields. But it's very clear to me that when they're working together, they're a very solid group. And when they're apart, I mean, not having DeLaren Turner, Yellow out there, you lose a ton, not only in terms of tackling, but pass coverage as Broyles got burned a couple times today. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on about uh, Turner, Yell. <laughs> You know, it's interesting when you look. I think Oklahoma certainly, um, we were really focused on the defensive backfield today, obviously. Well, <laughs> for obvious reasons. And when you look, Parnell Motley is a guy that was absolutely outstanding this year. And you look, and to me, Jaden Davis got a lot of playing time this year. I think that's a guy that could be – a key, key player potentially in Oklahoma's secondary next year. You love that he got all the playing time that he did. And, of course, uh, filling that uh, void for Motley, who is such a consistent, really good player for Oklahoma this year. So that's, you know, obviously uh, those are a couple of guys that uh, I think, you know, we it, it was interesting because when I was writing my stories this week, and talking about DTY not playing. And then you look at his stats, and, man, you really realize how impactful he was for Oklahoma's defense. Second leading tackler, 75 stops on the season. And you look, and, uh, yeah, I think maybe a guy we haven't necessarily talked about as much as we should have this entire season, how key he was. And we realized that today. No, you guys hit the nail on the head with DTY. DTY is massive miss i mean and none of us brought up broils and god i felt bad for him but that was about as bad that was that was julian wilson bad in 2014 baylor like that's how bad that was and it was worse because of the stage it was on but the good thing about jb is he'll come back and he'll try to improve and he'll work um so oh you fans lay off of him just a bit just a bit and the guy had a rough night um, he doesn't need anybody else bagging on him any worse than it's already happened. I mean, you got freaking uh, Scott Van Pelt on here. Every highlight was JB getting mossed, and that was rough to watch. That was rough to watch. So uh, let's lay off of him a little bit, but I'll, I'll name my three real quick. I got somebody, y'all, nobody said yet, and he almost played – Numerous times this year in very key moments. And at a position Oklahoma struggled at, Stacy Wilkins. I think he's going to be a superstar left tackle for Oklahoma. I think when you add him, barring cre- – now, we can discuss here in just a minute. We'll, we'll go around the table and we'll name I'll, – I'll name all three and you name whether you think they're going to leave and go pro or stay. But – for all intents and purposes, for this part of the podcast, Creed returns, and all you have to do is replace uh, Proctor at left tackle. That's going to be one hell of an offensive line, guys. They're going to be so they're going to be the best offensive line in college football next year. They should be. They should be. I mean, they're athletic. They're big. They're strong. They got boat race today, but they're all new. Like that's one thing Tyrese Robinson talked to me tonight about. He's like, 
We learned a lot, even tonight. He said, we learned a lot. We're, we're still learning. We're, this is the first year together. He goes, next year, just like that, the group that left before us, that second year is when they really became dominant. So that's where they think that they're going to be. And that's kind of where I guess Coach Beatenbow has been kind of pushing in their head, like, you got to be good this year. Next year, you better be freaking great. And that's kind of where their head's at. Um, so I got Stacy Wilkins. I'm going to throw out there – my other guy is going to be somebody that mm, – let's see here. I'm going here. Jeremiah Cordell I think is going to be big because I think he's going to play a lot of different spots, whether it's nickel, whether it's dime, whether it's filling in at a safety or corner spot. He's very versatile. He can do a lot of different things. And And we're talking about this year as far as guys that are on the team now that are going to step up. My other one is going to be uh, – I'll say it. I think Trajan Bridges is going to have a big year. As long as his let – me, let, me, let me walk this out for you all. Now, I think Austin Stogner, because I talked about him earlier, and that's the only reason why I didn't name him in my three. Yeah, well, that, that Stogner I didn't name because we talked about him earlier, and we all think he's going to be a freaking star. Um, Bridges, because – Everybody I've talked to, now they all think Jaden and Theo are great, but everybody says Trajan Bridges is next level. Everybody I talked to says that. They said Jaden is great and he is going to be the next CD. But they said Trajan's so special because he's not really that fast. But somehow, some way he gets open, somehow, some way he finds a way to keep the ball between him and the defender. And the other thing is, is he runs the Christmas routes out of all of them. But they think all three are going to be superstar NFL guys. So I, but that, I just have a funny feeling about him. Having said that, I'll just throw a little caveat in my fourth. EJ Indoma Ogar is another one I think is going to be huge on the basis that Creed does leave. And that, my friends, is what you call a transition into a different three. A different three. <laughs> um, talking about the guys that could leave, and we all know who they are. Kenneth Murray, CeeDee Lamb, Creed Humphreys. Will they? Will they stay or will they go? Um, I'm going to lay it out there for you all and let you all go here. I think you want to know. You want to know. Here's something funny. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it here, and everybody's going to think I'm freaking crazy. Okay? Y'all going to think I'm crazy. I think Kenneth Murray leaves, okay? But don't color me shocked if he stays. I'm going to say that, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I've watched this dude walk off the field numerous times pissed off. He still talks about getting better and doing things for the program next year, and he did again. Now, of course, he's going to say that right after a loss. I get it. But something is just there where you kind of feel that it's not a done deal. Like you think it's done, and you kind of hear the, the the rumblings that it's done, right? We've all heard it. But if you were going to pick between C.D. and Kenneth of who of the two would be most likely to stay, you'd pick Kenneth, right? Yeah, but that's Okay, oh, yeah, it's not, it's not, that's not a fair question because C.D.'s gone no matter what. Both okay, yeah, both of them are gone. Fair enough. That brings me to my other guy. I think Creed stays. 
And I'm going to give you two reasons why. Number one, I think the guy is probably a late first, early second, maybe, maybe, maybe a, maybe a late second round pick right now as it sits because he could probably use to get stronger. We all know he's a technician to the, to the core. He's probably the best technician center in all of college football. But when he, somebody plays him head up, as we all discussed, he kind of struggles a little bit sometimes. But he's not to, the, not to the extent that we think he's bad. He's not bad. He's actually very good. He could just be way better and to the point where he could be one of those centers that gets drafted mid-first round and be that high. That's how talented he is. Number two, he doesn't come from a family where he has to leave. His sister is at Oklahoma. There's a lot of family ties there of things that would make him want to stay. So I think he stays, and I could be crazy, but he's the one guy you haven't heard a lot of rumblings of, you know, he's gone, he's going to leave, he's going to stay. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we haven't heard any of that. There's been no talk. It's just us all formulating our opinions right now of he's going to go or he's going to stay. But I, I think the other two are gone. Yeah, I mean, Kenneth Murray – did not deserve this kind of defensive performance in potentially his last game, but it was his last game. Let's go ahead and make that clear. That man's off to the NFL. And so is CeeDee Lamb. I think it would do create a ton of good to come back and work with Bill another year. I know turning down money is a tough thing to do, but when guys like Quinnen Williams and Tyler Shelvin line up straight up on his nose and the ball is snapped – there is a clear disadvantage in terms of Creed Humphrey. So I'd like to see him in a Crimson Cream uniform just for the betterment of himself, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, I think you guys are pretty spot on. Uh, I mean, there's <laughs> there's really no doubt that C.D. Lamb is gone. I don't think there's much doubt that Kenneth Murray is gone too. But I think those two, and, and I also believe Creed uh, Humphrey has to stay. I think he needs another year, and – um, he's a guy before the season, um, Colin, Brandon as well. You know, we, we talked about uh, potentially being a very solid first-round guy. And after this year, I don't know if I necessarily feel that way right now. And I think if he comes back and he has a really good year next year, he will be that first-round guy. Solid in the first round, uh, maybe kind of the middle area and uh, – you know, that's that's a lot of money we're talking about. And so I, I would tend to believe that uh, out of the three, he'll be the one that comes back. Yeah, and most of his class is going to return, so all of his buddies, his friends and all that will be still around here. So that that's another good deal. So uh, if Creed Humphreys returns that offensive line, like I was saying earlier, I think one of the top one, two, three offensive lines in the country, the potential to be the best offensive line in the country – uh, so there, there's there's a lot of good that could come from Creed Humphreys returning. We'll see how that does. Now, finally, and lastly, I know we've, we've harped on the game. We've talked about the ifs, the ands, and buts, and candies, and nuts, and all that stuff that is bad that happened in the game. So we're going to move on away from that. We've talked about the players we think are going to go pro. We've talked about the players we think are going to be massive impact players next year that are on campus. I'm going to ask the guys, two guys in the 2020 class, 
right now, signed, who are going to be instant impact guys, and I'll let you guys go first. Yeah, that 2020 class, man, it's it's kind of like I was telling Joey we were in having an off-mic conversation. The 2020 class doesn't have necessarily as much hype as the 2019, but at the same time, it's exactly the kind of class that wins you championships because it's a foundationary level class that has guys that can help you in the trenches, like you mentioned earlier, Joe. I look at this group, and it's very intriguing because, to be quite honest, you pointed out the offensive line, a lot of those guys will be back. So I'm not entirely sure that they'll have a major role. But I look at Jalen Conyers as a guy to step in because when you think about it, Lee Morris, Nick Basquin, Grant Calcaterra, a ton of those guys are gone. And Conyers is an athletic freak that can really provide a very important presence in the interior receiving core. I look to him as an impact guy. And then – I know that this may be a little bit of a hot take here, but I really want to see what Marvin Mims does as well. I, 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 I know that. I know that a lot of people. I, I, okay, here's why I say it's a hot take, right? Yeah, he has all the numbers and stuff, but also Oklahoma fans on our board know that a lot of people portray Marvin Mims as a slower receiver, or he's too short. Or he may not be built in terms of strength or size to compete with Division I caliber defensive backs. But I'm saying that this is a hot take that's going to be disputed because when I see Marvin Mims, I see an absolute baller. I mean, the guy is smart, he's talented, and I think that those two offensive weapons could really step up in 2020. And receiver's a position that you obviously can play early in your career. It's not like coming in and being an offensive lineman to where you have to get kind of acclimated into this system uh, you know obviously you need to bulk up in the weight room get the college frame as opposed to a high school frame so yeah I, I could certainly see that as well um, to me it obvious it more obvious uh, answer as well is Perion Winfrey and Josh Allison look you get the Juco guys Oklahoma loses a lot on the defensive line lose in, in in Famatu as well and so you know you those are plug and play guys that have played college ball at the JUCO level that's why you get those guys so well, obviously they're going to be they're going to be uh, rotational guys for Oklahoma next year as well yeah okay so I'm gonna say a name that it's shocking that neither one of you brought up I honestly thought you in particular would have brought him up Justin Harrington I think he is going to be a star for Oklahoma. The problem is going to be which one of the safeties does he push out, or the nickel. Or the nickel. That's that's the thing. Like, how does this play out this this spring? Um, we're going to know real real soon uh, where everything stands. But he's length. He's got length, and he can run. Uh, won't even be shocked if they say, you know what, buddy? Why don't you go over to that cornerback position and let's see what you can do. Uh, they're going to give him a shot. I think he even told me that they're going to they, – they're recruiting him as a safety, but they think that he can play every position, which is what Alex Grinch wants. He wants a guy that can do everything. So kind of like a Jeremiah Cordell, a Woody Washington, those type of guys, they can play everywhere on the field. Um, I think that's, that's one of the guys I think is going to be a big impact player. And my other guy um, was um, Mikey Henderson. Because I think he fits that that 
mold of H-back, but Dimitri Flowers H-back, like really a difference maker that you can line up and you can play him in the slot. You can play him as the H-back. You can play him at running back. You can play him at tight end. He can do a lot of things. And I'll add you one more. I think DJ Graham gets a lot of run at cornerback next year. I think he gets a lot of run at cornerback a lot because he's six foot and he can run. And that's what they want the length. I would say Joshua Eaton, but he's very raw right now in his uh, overall. And, and the same goes for Bryson Washington. Both dudes just super raw. But once they get everything, they're going to be really good. So the future's bright, people. Everybody needs to just take a deep breath, relax. It was a crappy night for Oklahoma fans. Your season's over. You got three months, and you get to see this new Oklahoma team in 2020 led by Spencer Rattler and or maybe Tanner Mordecai. Who knows? Probably Spencer Rattler. Um, and just a new young team. I mean, they're, they're going to be – so, they were so young this year, but they're going to be even younger next year, but with a little bit more experience. So it's going to be fun to watch, and I like the Perry and Win Winfrey – Ellison pick because I think both those guys are going to play. I think Winfrey is going to be better than Gallimore, and that is saying something. So we'll see. That's going to do it for us here at Atlanta. Thank you all for listening to this podcast all season long. Uh, thank you for going to OUinsider.com. Be sure to make and make sure that you sign up. It's still $1 right now for the first month if you go month to month. It's 30% off your annual subscription right now for another couple of weeks. Uh, for Colin Kennedy, Joey Helmer, I'm Brandon Drum. Thanks again for listening to the OU Insider Postgame Podcast. Y'all take it easy. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.